Hi there, it's Clark Buckner, and you're listening to our bonus five-episode series on Circle Back. We're calling it A New Stage, and it's hosted by our friend and NFL Hall of Fame Tennessee Titan running back, Eddie George. On the previous episodes, we've heard from Kix Brooks, John Rich, Michael W. Smith, and up next is Grammy-recognized songwriter, music producer, and educator, Cliff Goldmacher. He was here at the National Entrepreneur Center giving a presentation during our hybrid speaker series. This show is a production of the National Entrepreneur Center, also known as the EC. We're a 501c3 nonprofit right here in Music City, working every day to help make Nashville the best place in the country to start and grow a business. To learn more about how to get connected and be part of our thriving entrepreneurial community, visit ec.co. You can subscribe to Circle Back anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to all of our shows at ec.co slash podcasts. Let's do it, man. Hey, Cliff. Uh, oh, man. It's such an honor to meet you, brother. Um, I had a chance to read through your bio. You are a rock star, dude. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. And the, no, on- the honor is mine, Eddie. Hey, man. Listen. Um... Where did you grow up, first of all? I mean, are you from Nashville? Are you from the, the West Coast? And how'd you, how'd you come across Nashville? It, so I, it sort of came later. I am, by definition, genetically a New Yorker. Both my Get folks are here. New Yorkers. What part of New York? Well, I was born um, just outside of Queens, but my dad was working for Pepsi at the time in international marketing. So when I was about three months old, we moved to Southeast Asia. And we lived there for about 10 years, all over, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, and ended up back in the States finally when I was, I guess, about 10. So, so I'm a New Yorker, but I, until much later in life, never lived in, in New York. Get out of here, really. So, so what, like, what part of, where do you get your pizza from in New York? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So the Upper West Side. Upper West Side? Yep, which is where I lived for about five years. There's a little place called Freddy and Peppers. So check <laughs> okay, that out. I'm going to check out. Listen, I'm a pizza connoisseur. I love my cheese pizza. My wife is actually from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, well. And uh, New York is one of my favorite places on all the earth. I've, a lot of life-changing events have happened there for me in New York. But... You know, there's nothing like living in Nashville, you know. It's true. And for me, I ended up after high school in in Memphis. We ended up in the South. Mm -hmm. Out of all the places in the world, we ended up in Memphis when I was 13. I went through junior high and high school in Memphis, Mm -hmm. went to college in Northern California, Mm -hmm. and fell in love with Northern California then. Mm -hmm. But thought, look, if I'm going to take music seriously, i got to get to Nashville. Now, when... Talk about that for a moment. When did you find the love? When did you know that you fell in love with music? Was there an event? Was there was there someone that inspired you to say, you know what, that's what I want to do. That's, that looks like the love of my life right there. What, what was it? It's, it's a great question because the, the, there's a two-part answer. The, the first part is I, I started taking piano lessons when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. My mom had had a piano, always hoped to learn, never got around to it and thought I might enjoy it, and I did. So I took classical piano for about 10 years. But it was just kind of a thing that I did. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I didn't identify myself as a musician. It was just something that I did. Went to college and started studying political science. This guy across the hall, freshman year, had a guitar. Guitar? I'd never messed around with a guitar at all. I knew music, I knew music theory. But messing around with that guy's guitar, Mm. 
unlocked something. And so I started to learn to play guitar. And by the end of school, even though I had already taken the law school, the LSAT, I thought, okay, if I give up music now, I'll never come back. But if I try music and it doesn't work out, it's not like law school is going anywhere. And so in 1990, I started this journey that I'm still on now in 2021. Get out, man. So the, the guitar actually unlocked That's it. everything for you in terms mm -hmm. of this path and this journey. That's right. And, but you were still studying for the LSAT. And you, you, are, you a, are you a lawyer now? No. Or are you going I, back? Or I, what's... I thought I would go back and rejoin polite society and uh -huh. become an attorney. And it just so happened that the music thing really... It's not like there was anything dramatic that happened early on. It was a slow, slow build. Mm -hmm. But I loved it. And my rule was, as long as I'm making any kind of progress, we're good. And how old were you when this, when this happened? So I graduated from college. I was, what, 21 years old. I uh -huh. took a year off and, and lived in the south of France because somebody had to do it. So <laughs> God. because I was a political science major... I had um, an opportunity to intern my senior year in college at the mm -hmm. French Embassy mm -hmm. in D.C. And so that was an incredible experience. And all the while I'm thinking, this is great. I'll do this and then international law. And at the end of the internship, they said, listen, we are giving our interns an opportunity after they gra graduate from college to go teach English in, in France, if, if you're interested. And I thought, well, I don't really want to teach. And, and they said, well, it covers your room and board. It's eight hours a week, Oof. and you can pick your town in France. So I thought, okay, I got to do this. So I spent a year in a little town called Aix-en-Provence in the south of France, and it was actually then. I mean, I, I was already writing songs and performing, but it was in that year that I got a gig in a little French cafe playing six nights a week, and that was when I decided, even though I had already taken the LSAT, I was all set to come back to the States, apply to law school, But after that year, I thought, uh-uh, I got I to gotta try this thing. So you, you were introduced to risk early on in your life at 21. Like, That's okay. such an observation. Because, yeah, because good... it's, because, you know, at 21, you know, I'm thinking, I was, I, I kind of, I knew where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to the NFL. So there, there was some level of security there saying, okay, if I miss this, I don't know what's next. You yeah. know, I studied landscape architecture and I, that I wanted to be an architect and that was kind of my safeguard. But at 21 for you, yeah, you, you knew that you, poli sci was it, but to say, okay, this music thing is calling me and trusting that. Just, just talk about how the, the trust that you had to have and what, the, what tools did you rely on at 21 to make that leap of faith to say, hey, this is going to be my career. So that's such a smart question because a couple of things, and, and you may remember this a little bit, but there are th things that you do at 21 when you're young and unattached that don't feel as risky. I mean, yes, mm -hmm. there was some risk involved. And I went to a school where there was a certain expectation that I would, you know, make good. Mm -hmm. I, I think if I have to be completely honest, the thing that gave me the, the, the strength at 21 years old to do what seems like stepping off of the path was the support of my family. You know, I am asked over and over again, so what did your parents say when you graduated from college, took the LSAT, and then told them, listen, I think I'm going to, you know, 
write songs and move to Nashville? <laughs> and the answer is they saw that I was serious. They saw that it was meaningful to me. And they said that if that's what I wanted to do, they were 100% behind me. Mm-hmm. And that is, I have to think that that is incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of musician friends who when they said to their families, listen, I'm going to pursue songwriting. Their family said, you're crazy. This is a bad idea. There's no security in it. I'm lucky. I was one of those kids whose parents just saw that it was meaningful to me, saw that I was serious, and backed me. So what kind of roadblocks did you face coming into the music industry earlier on? Because we're talking about evolution in terms of going from 21 years old, being in the business, fighting through roadblocks, really having this fabulous career that you've had thus far, and now you're morphed into something different. So what roadblocks did you have to face and overcome And what did they teach you? So I think the trick with any profession that you are passionate about is to remember to be patient, which Mm. I was and am not. (laughs) So so for me, the biggest roadblock was I know what I want to do. I know where I want to be. Why am I not there yet? And feeling Why that am way, I not there yet? <laughs> and and learning, really learning how to come to terms with that. Because yeah. if I have learned anything in thirty years of doing this, it is that a nothing happens as quickly as you want it to, mm-hmm. and it never happens the way that you think it will. So I had to. The biggest roadblock for me was the 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 distance between yeah. what I wanted and the reality of what I was <laughs> facing between where I was and where I wanted to be. Yeah, because you're thinking, you know, if I'm writing the script or I'm writing the song, yeah. it's going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right. Well, God's plan is you go to A to Z, back L, to A again. and Q. <laughs> right. It, it, and that's the frustration behind it because you're like, I want to be here. Yeah. Like, this is where I had that five, my five-year plan. Right. But it looks completely different. So through your 30-year career, you're defined now as a, a prolific songwriter. And now you've created this, the rhyme, the reason for the rhymes. Mm-hmm. I've had this opportunity sitting on your work class I, I the only problem I had with it was it wasn't long enough. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that makes me happy. It really, it really was to really unlock and and to delve into uh, who you are as a person, what fears you have, the metaphors that you used, and to marry that with the corporate world. Mm. Ironically, now you have your law degree. Come circles back <laughs> to that. Um, just just talk about that that whole experience how you come up how you came up with this idea mm-hmm. and why and when people look at you now like as well you're a songwriter why would you want to do this what led you to this this opportunity yeah i mean there's so much about living a life where you follow your passion that and i i tell this to a lot of young songwriters it is it is about your ability to continue to keep yourself motivated. What can I do that will make me wake up hungry to keep working? Mm-hmm. And, and over a 30-year career as a songwriter, I've had to reinvent that wheel dozens and dozens of times. I mean, the, the big picture always looked the same. I want to get up every day and do music. That's the big picture. Now, how do I get to do that? Mm-hmm. And that, that has evolved over time. So for me, the way I like to describe it is about 20 years into writing songs, I feel like I woke up one day and I had an opinion. So after 20 years of learning my craft, I finally started to 
write articles about songwriting. This is all inside of music. Writing articles about songwriting, teaching workshops to songwriters about songwriting, about the music business. So I started to explore this idea that I could educate people about this thing that we were also equally interested in. Mm-hmm. And that must have been on my mind when I got onto a flight in 2015 and I'm seated next to this person and for the first hour, we don't talk. We're just reading our books. And about an hour in, we start a conversation. And at some point, she says to me, so, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a songwriter. And I don't, to this day, I don't know what prompted me to say this. I didn't know anything about what this woman did for a living. I said, and I teach workshops, and I've been thinking about, never having done this, by the way, I've been thinking about what it would be like to take the concepts of songwriting and apply them in a corporate setting. Mm. And she said, that's so interesting that you would say that. I run an organization inside of Deloitte Consulting called The Greenhouse. And I think this would be perfect for us. Now, normally, and I'm sure this has happened to you, you have a conversation with someone on a plane, you exchange information, and exactly nothing. Nothing happens. (laughs) In this instance, two weeks later, I'm on a call with her team, Mm -hmm. and a couple weeks after that, I am teaching the early version of this songwriting workshop to execs inside of Deloitte. And it was, uh, there's no other word to describe it better than joyful. Mm. So I have been for 30 years in the same community, right? All songwriters, all musicians. I love my community. But all of a sudden, I'm in this brand new world with these really bright people who almost without exception, if you were to ask them, they would say, oh, no, 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 I can't write a song. I'm not creative. And to show them that if we break it down into small pieces, Mm -hmm. that they can do this thing, not only was it fun for me, but to watch them transform Mm. in the process from I'm embarrassed, I don't want to do this, you're taking me way out of my comfort zone, to singing and literally dancing by the end of the workshop was beyond anything that I or I I think my friend at Deloitte would have ever imagined. So you didn't know what was on the other side of this? No idea. Did you see a glaring need for this in the corporate world? Or were you just saying, you know what, let me just try this concept and kind of see what happens? I think it was B because I wasn't of the corporate world. Now, I, I will give my friend Kim at Deloitte a lot of credit. She saw a need. Mm-hmm. But I basically went in there without a net. And, and here's my favorite part. In, in the conversations that we had prior to the first workshop, and I've done dozens and dozens of these with Deloitte since, but prior to the first workshop, we were already making contingency plans on what it was going to be like when people couldn't write the song. Mm. In, the, in the five years that I've been doing this, every team has written a song every time. Every time. Wow. So... It is imminently doable if you just give smart people the right tools. Right. right. Hey, you know, that, that, is, that is fascinating. And, and I guess I have a couple of questions. You know, going back, you said something about motivation. Mm. And motivation is such a, a key word. Like, for me, what, why do I wake up in the morning? Yeah. You know, some people wake up, and I've done this, you know, at the end of my career. Sure. Questioning, like, what's next? Who am I? <laughs> I can only I imagine. I am in a complete uh, twilight zone here. Uh, God, show me a sign of something. 
And I, I took a, um, some writing classes. My, my journey as an, an actor um, really found it cathartic. It was more uh, healing to me than it was about finding a, a new profession. Mm. And um, I've gotten with an acting coach here in town, and we would write, and I'm finding myself you know, writing about trying to be a, a perfect structure, not realizing I had all this stuff that I had to unleash, and it was a lot of fear and doubt. And you want to talk about risk taking, dude? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I took a chance, and I found myself on Broadway singing. That's amazing. Without having, you know, a voice, I, I really didn't realize it until, you know, I took some voice lessons for, to do work on my speaking voice, but I developed a singing voice in the process. So it was. It was a Fearless. huge risk, <laughs> huge risk. Yeah, and I fell fat, flat on my face opening night and uh, several times, but that didn't stop me. You know, I guess my question to you is: what What is your motivating factor? Is it money? Is it purpose? Is it tapping into somebody and unlo- unleashing the seed in them? What is the ultimate motivation for you of your why? So, so I've had to think a lot about this, and I, and I think ultimately. And this applied when I was first getting started, and it applies today. I want to connect with people through songs, Mm. whatever that looks like. If that means writing a song that people hear on the radio, great. If it means going into a conference room and taking executives who think, A, this is ridiculous, B, I'm terrified of looking foolish in front of my peers, and getting them to write a song, and connecting with people that way, great. Mm-hmm. It's about the power of, of music and the power of songs for me. Okay. And you talk about the seven essential skills of innovation. Talk about that real briefly, if you could, the sevens. And, and I, I want to see if we can do something here real quick just in terms of, okay. of writing a song. Yeah. So, so when I started to write my book, The Reason for the Rhymes, I didn't know at that point, even when I started to write it, that... Every skill that you develop as you're writing songs is a skill that ultimately makes you a better innovator. I knew that writing songs would tap your creativity. I knew that it would help you explore other ideas, but it wasn't until I started to list all of the skills that you develop by learning to write songs that I realized that they all fit under the heading of these will make you a better innovator. So it's everything from thinking laterally, thinking differently about ideas, which is what innovators have to do, to creativity, to communication, Mm -hmm. to collaboration, empathy, Mm -hmm. risk-taking, and then figuring out how to diffuse these ideas out into the world. So those are the seven skills that you'll develop as a songwriter that will make you a better innovator. Okay. So so with that being said, um, would you mind... For our listeners, viewers, and for me personally, just take me through of uh, what a workshop would would be like if it were just you and I or a group. Because listen, I have personally, I have some things on um, that are opportunities for me that I may feel like may be a distraction from what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I have my vision board, okay? I have my vision board up, and it's this, it's that, it's travel, it's love, it's my family, it's career goals that I want to accomplish. 
And this opportunity is not on my vision board, but it intrigues me like no other. <laughs> That's so great. All right. So I'm like, okay, what is this? So you can even look at, so what I love about songwriting is even if your goal isn't to become a hit songwriter, I mean, right. we're in Nashville, so yeah. I know that's a lot of people's goals. What if your goal is to just find a new way to explore ideas that are meaningful to you? Uh-huh. And your vision board is full of ideas that are meaningful to you, yes. right? So by looking at those ideas through the lens of songwriting, uh-huh. I'll give you an example. Yeah. If we were to talk about something that was meaningful to you, mm-hmm. and I were to make a PowerPoint presentation and just put it up on the wall and say, Eddie, I just want you to read this. And then I'm, I come back to you a week later and I say, what did you read? The likelihood of that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, how much do we read on any given day? And yeah. how much do we remember? Right. But if I say, Eddie, I want you to write a metaphor, and then a verse and a chorus of a song, and then we're going to sing it together. And I come up to you a week later and I say, what did we sing about? Bang. It's right there. That's what this does. That's what this does. It takes already existing important ideas and makes them more nuanced and more interesting and so much more memorable. So, I mean, this is fascinating stuff. I mean, sitting in that workshop, hearing the song that you created from... Um, being in the woods. Well, actually started with the quarantine life. Right. You know, how right. do you feel to being in the woods, to getting a rope uh, by the moon? <laughs> I forgot the lyrics, but so great. It, was, it was really fascinating to hear that. And again, you know, it seems cathartic. So when people look at you now, you say you've been in the business for well over 30 years, been doing this. Does it bother you or does it concern you that it say, hey, why are you now doing this stuff in the corporate world? How, are you, how have you personally been able to evolve and not listen to the distractions, not listen to people say, hey, all you are is this? Uh, how do you break yeah. that mode? It's so funny. If, if I were worried about that to begin with, I probably wouldn't have become a songwriter in the first place. No. But the way that I look at this is, uh, here's, here's one. You want to talk about one of my fears. I don't want to be the 65-year-old dude with the shaved head and the ponytail trying to write a, in large quotation (laughs) marks, hip songs with with 15-year-old artists. Like, I I feel like at some point, my songwriting sensibilities, like all music, are going to evolve and move on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not able to write the stuff that 15-year-olds are writing now, nor should I. I I don't feel like that's really my goal. So Mm -hmm. what I'm looking at is sort of a maturation and an evolution to my process. I have, on some level, you know, spent enough time with my craft to where I understand it. Mm -hmm. So my question to myself was, yes, I want to keep writing. Of course I want to keep writing. And I will write with artists who are um, doing work that I feel is meaningful to me in styles that I feel like I can contribute to. Mm But what else can I do with all of this knowledge that I've built up? How can I touch other people? How can I, to my earlier point, connect with people through songs? So it is my work with business teams that is sort of a a natural evolution in my process. Mm -hmm. And this can be applied to any profession, whether you're a professional football player or a doctor or dentist um, or it doesn't matter. This can be applied to anybody, correct? Absolutely. What you learned, the way that you mastered your craft as a professional football player, Mm -hmm. I am certain that you apply those lessons to what you are doing in your life. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I continue to stay open to new ideas Mm -hmm. and innovation. And that's why this process 
spoke to me on so many levels. You're such an interesting person, and you have a, a really unique way of, I guess, presenting your gifts to the world. Uh, if you could, what what are your rituals? How when you first wake up in the morning, what do you do to, oh, that's to, such a to, great question. to get your day started and to and to drive forward through this? Because it's so hard now with quarantine and to really find a, a routine. Um, you wake up kind of like, well, what is my purpose? You can't connect with people, and that's really having a mental effect. On a lot of people, yeah. man, especially yeah. me. I'm used to traveling a lot. I'm like, God, I just need to be around a different person other than my wife and my kids. Right. You know, yeah. I love them, but, you know, you just need that. So what is your daily routine uh, for success? So for as as long as I have uh, decided to take my career seriously as a songwriter, I have been a morning person. And the reason that I started that way was because for the first five years that I lived in Nashville, I had a day job. I had to find a way to make ends meet while I was learning my craft. Mm. So if my day job started at 10 a.m., I knew that every moment earlier that I was able to wake up would be more time that I could spend working on the reason that I came to Nashville in the first place, which was my songwriting. And that just developed a, a discipline in me to get up early. I'm you know, I, I feel like the world is pretty evenly divided between morning people and night owls. And I, I am, ironically, even though I'm a musician, I'm much more of a morning person than I am a night owl. Mm -hmm. So these days, that, that's carried forward all these years later. These days, especially because as you get older um, and as songwriting has become more than just the act of writing songs for me, I don't always get to write songs every day. So what I do first thing when I wake up in the morning is I write with a fountain pen. In a, a fountain pen. Very specifically with a fountain pen. Why? In a leather-bound journal because I want to feel like a writer. <laughs> and hearing the nib scratch on the paper and watching that happen feels like I'm connected to writers who have been writing for hundreds of years. Yeah. It's a, it's a little thing, Right. But I do it every day so that no matter what I do for the rest of the day, and ironically, when I write songs, I use a computer. So I, I don't write songs with a pen. So to remind myself in the, in the truest sense of the word that I am a writer, I wake up early every morning and I write with a fountain pen in a leather-bound journal. And this started because of a book called The Artist's Way. The Artist's Way. This was, wow. a, this was a game changer for me. Yes, yes. My son, who goes to, went to Vanderbilt, mm. econ major, um, now he's at USC Film School. Oh, yeah. Just told me about the artist way. And Absolutely. he's been, I guess he gets up and he writes every morning, just whatever. And whatever comes to mind, he wants to connect to that because he has aspirations of being a director. Yeah. So yes. I, I, find, I find that fascinating. So you have your cup of coffee, yep. you write, and, and, yep. then, and then what's after that? So there is, when I was younger, and to teach myself patience, I was an endurance athlete. I was a long-distance runner. I can, I can and, see that, yeah. Well, really good. It, that, that's, <laughs> coming from you, <laughs> that means a lot. So it used to be running and biking and swimming, and I was pretty seriously involved in the triathlon community here in Nashville for, mm. for a long time. And then somewhere around... My late 40s, early 50s. Whoa, time out, bro. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 53. Get out of here! Yes, sir. Bro, I thought I was older than you. <laughs> no, no. 
The, no. See, the bald head. Right? Dude, you look awesome, man. That, well, Eddie, God you. bless you, bro. <laughs> well, keep continue, continue. So, so endurance sports for the longest time for me was my way of teaching myself patience. Huh. The patience that I didn't have in my career. And on top of that, the beauty of sports, and I don't have to tell you this, is there is a direct relationship between doing the work and seeing the result. That's it. Speak. Right? Speak on it. So I did that. And it helped me keep my songwriting in perspective and keep myself sort of naturally, well, fit and, and sort of just generally together. Mm-hmm. But at late 40s, after lots of marathons and even an Ironman, stuff starts to break. Huh. So, and again, I probably don't have to tell you about this either, right? So for me, all of a sudden it was, wait a minute, this thing that has pretty much been part of my identity for decades. Mm-hmm. That's gone. Like, I'm having Achilles trouble now. I'm having knee trouble. I had tried yoga when I was younger and just resisted and resisted and resisted. Just couldn't, couldn't wrap my head around it. Mm-hmm. I love it now. Yeah. So that is part of my morning, every morning. Yeah. And it, it feels good and it centers me and it yeah. gets me focused. Yeah. So yoga is a part of every day, too. Yeah. After all of those years of feeling like if I didn't go for a run, my day was shot. All of a sudden, I've got this new thing. And I think that's, well, again, this is your story too, right? In life, there are things that you have for a while that are your whole identity. And then life goes on. You You have to move on. No question. And so that was part of my path. And you mentioned in your workshop um, being pulled out of your comfort zone. Mm. Yes. And that was something you talked about being an athlete triathlons god bless you i won't try it (laughs) too many miles on these legs my knees hurt back hurts in the morning i know when it's cold outside before i get out of bed uh but being outside of your comfort zone being uh in in the athletic world for you personally what has that taught you about even to to your writing because that's something i believed in to be comfortable being uncomfortable yes physically that's it yeah. You, you just hit it on the head. I mean, there is a point in any endurance event of any kind where you have to start digging. Yeah. Oh, digging. That's right. And, and <laughs> there you go. For me, yeah. and this is actually, this was a very big part of the reason that I decided to do an Ironman, which was I have been, knock on wood, I have been incredibly fortunate in my life. Mm-hmm. And I had never been asked to see how deep the well was. Mm. And so I thought, I'm going to do something that on the face of it seems almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do this so that I can see when I am uncomfortable, when I am suffering, Mm. how deep the well is. That's the song right there. (laughs) How how deep is the well? And that was it. So for me, so much of being uncomfortable and teaching myself that as as bad as I felt, I could keep going. Mm taught me more than, than I could have ever learned any other way. Has that improved your writing? Oh, sure. As a matter of fact, so many of my songwriting ideas happened in the middle of a long run mm. or a long swim. There's, there's a, 
There's a thing that happens where when you get into again, I'm I'm preaching to the converted you, here. I mean, listen, but, man, you are firing me up right now because you're speaking my language. But, well, yeah. but yes, yes. So it's it's all about when you are in your body, when you are in that zone, everything else just kind of works. Mm-hmm. So songwriting ideas, creativity is just enhanced by and now it's it's yoga, but then it was, you know. Running for a couple of hours, yeah, or yeah. Whatever for me, it was. I used to, I used to, I do yoga, um, done yoga, ran, I did a marathon, half marathon once, and that was it. So I was good on that. That's and, a lot of muscle to carry oh, over thirteen was, miles, it, Eddie. It's nothing enjoyable <laughs> about a marathon, bro. Nothing. You can't tell me. Listen, you train like eighty months for it to begin with, <laughs> and then you go through the experience. You almost died across the finish line to get a pretzel, yeah. aluminum foil, and a beer, and then you go home. It's like. That's Where's a, the parade? You're Where's living the, the dream. That sounds great. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm good on that. I swim now. I get it, you know? So it, that that idea of digging deep and really letting your mind go to become creative in that environment in terms of working out and and being, comf- being comfortable, being tired and fatigued and letting mm-hmm. go of your fears and doubts. And that takes me to this. And I got two more questions and we'll get out of here. <laughs> Uh, man, this I, I love you, bro. You are this is such a treat. How do you manage fear? Mm. Does it does it come up for you at oh, all? Oh, it does come up, and it, it comes up in ways. And of course, the thing about fear is you you don't always see it coming. No, right. So another thing that I started to do, right around the time that I was coming to terms with having to give up endurance athletics, was meditation. Mm. Because what meditation teaches is to be where you are with what you're feeling at the time. So fear is one of those things where because I'm a type A personality and I'm a micromanager to the yes. nth degree. I couldn't tell, but. Right. <laughs> so, so when you're scared, you, you immediately, the instinct is to try and fix or, or do something to fight that fear. And what learning to meditate has taught me is if I can just sit, if I can just be, and, and look at the fear, even naming it, takes it away. Mm. If you can learn to live with it, then it isn't this thing that you're not facing. It's because when you're scared, most of the time you're scared of, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, like FDR said, fear itself. You're scared of the idea of being scared. So if you just face it and sit with it, like meditation is, and I am by no means perfect, but it is, it is a goal of mine mm-hmm. to become better and better at this idea of sitting with discomfort and fear. And meditation is helping yeah, me do that. Yeah, I've heard a great uh, acronym for fear. Uh, face everything and respond. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, face everything, anything and everything that comes at you and respond to it. Yeah. And that's, that's, it can be a difficult thing, but if you do that in terms of meditation, your ritual, you talked about the morning, these tools, especially, you know, the reason for the rhymes, I recommend anybody listening, check out this fascinating workshop. Uh, my wife's going to get to do it. Hopefully I know I, I am so. because it, it, it just, it helps me out in terms of my overall plan and what I want to do because I get stuck from time to time. Um, so, Last thing, man, what is the the ultimate vision? Where do you want to see this go? So the hope is that as I continue to explore 
how the principles of songwriting apply in a larger world. I'd like to begin to just expose more and more people, whether it's business teams, whether it's individuals, to the power of what learning to write songs and ultimately writing songs can bring to a life. Mm -hmm. And I've written a book. I'm thinking about what's next. There may be another book. Certainly, mm -hmm. I hope as the world begins to open up again, I'll be doing more keynotes and more, more workshops in person because as much as I love doing the online version of the workshop, there is nothing like being in a room with people and seeing that joy, I'm coming back yes, to that word again, of, of creation as they do something that they truly did not think that they could do. Where can people find out more information uh, about your workshop and so forth? So the easiest thing is thereasonforthrhymes.com. That's where everything Man. is. Hey, man, this has been a pleasure. This, this podcast is really all about uh, setting a new stage for people evolving from one career to the next. We're seeing it happen in COVID. Who knows when this thing's going to end? Mm. I mean, President uh, Biden's talking about maybe not until the end of 22. Mm. December, we're not even deep into 21 yet. Yeah. So, you know, things are not going to change. This is the new norm. So how do you adjust? How do you get, be inspired? And I think this is definitely one of those things you can do, man. Um, I have one last request. Yeah. Uh, would you mind if you could singing that song that you had created in the... Workshop. Sure. Would that be possible? I'll have to open up my laptop and find the lyrics. Okay, that's but yeah, fine. I'd be yeah. delighted to do Please. it. Please, uh, yeah, that would be great. Just, just to give a sense of, of what it, what it is, and and uh, how you do it right impromptu, right in the moment. Such a spiritual experience. Oh, I'd be delighted to do it. Awesome. And Eddie, thank you for this. This was such a gift. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for your time. Man, Fifty three. I can. Man, <laughs> I got. I got hope, man. You look <laughs> awesome, brother. That's really nice. So by way of a little bit of background, what I did in the workshop was to say to the attendees, we're going to take the idea of working remotely, which is something that's been on everybody's minds. But it's been on everybody's minds, but how much have you really thought about it? It's mm -hmm. just something that we've been made to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought, we'll take this idea of working remotely. We'll find a metaphor for working remotely so that we start to add emotion to it. Yeah. It's not just this dry concept. Then we'll write a verse and a chorus of a song about it. Mm -hmm. And I then ask the audience, well, what after we wrote the verse and the chorus, like, what style of song is this? And, of course, we're in Nashville, so it kind of had to be a country song, even though Nashville certainly has lots of different styles of music. And this is what we came up with, and this is a song that we entitled No Matter the Cost. And the, the metaphor was being lost in the woods. So that's what working remotely felt like to this songwriting group this morning. The song goes like this. By the light of the moon I hear the hoot of an owl Feel free to sing along. <laughs> Over the sound of the leaves I hear a faint growl <laughs> Something's lurking Something's lurking it might be the prey, it might be the prey Sometime I'll escape it, but it's not today <laughs> But where there's a path, there's still some hope If you can't cross the creek, I'll throw you a rope Where are my teammates? Are we all lost? We will survive, no matter the cost <laughs> So that's what we wrote today. 
Nice. Hey, man, wonderful job. Thank you so much, man. You're going to change a lot of people's lives. You changed mine. You moved me. We'll connect information. I definitely want to get some consulting from you, man. If anything, let's swim a couple laps together. That makes me happy. I'd love to do it. Hey, man, God bless you, man. And and thank you for your gifts, brother. Thank you. And there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to this interview on our bonus five-episode series on Circle Back. Stay tuned because Eddie George has one more conversation on the way. So be sure you're subscribed right here on Circle Back. This special series, A New Stage, is a production of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. To learn more about how to get connected and be part of our thriving entrepreneurial community here in Music City, visit ec.co. And be sure to subscribe to all of our shows at ec.co slash podcasts.